Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Welcome to Mystery of Parenthood. Yeah, it's time to slow down a little bit here and uh, and gather and talk about our kids, about um, what it is like raising parents in this crazy day and age. Raising and parents. Raising pa- <laughs> our kids. Our kids have got a, our kids. Well, we're kind of talking about. We're going to talk. We're talking about that today. So well, Stephanie is Stephanie's here. here. Thank God. <laughs> and we have and we have somebody on the on the uh, on the. On the hey, line. some days we do need our kids to raise us. We need our kids to raise us plenty of times <laughs> oh, that was uh, years later. Um, but, but before we get started with our guest and, and this um, great group of people, obviously I need some help. So <laughs> let's, pr- let's pray. <laughs> in, the, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world, and grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray Pray for for us. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, so yeah, before, before the show started, I was trying to remember if I'd ever lived in Arlington, Virginia, but our guest is from Arlington. <laughs> I'm telling you, at 53, the mind is slipping. It really is. But I don't believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> I haven't seen the evidence of that yet. Yeah. Well, you're 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 getting firsthand. And here. I need to say, our guest is not. He's calling from Arlington, but our guest is from Philly. Philadelphia. That's right. Yeah. Philly. yeah. And you so can just like our buddy. Rock over Rock there. Rock Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, He's not going to make an appearance today. Uh, yeah. he's, he's busy today. Uh, right. All right, all right. Well, we got things to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so glad to have Adam Earhart on the show. And, um, of course, we, we were fortunate to have him here at St. Mary's for two years. Very and, fortunate. And, um, and sad to see him leave, but we know it was, it was, uh, a work of God, and and it's it's where He's called right now, and so we're excited for Him. But why don't you, Adam, tell us about yourself, where you are now, and uh, before we get started. All right, thank thank you so much. I'm I'm glad to be here too. Um, and St. Mary's was such a blessing being down there, and oh man, I I, I can't even uh, just I can't even muster the gratitude um, for for all the good opportunities I had down there. But uh, down there for two years. Um, came in September 2016 and left in September 2018, and it's kind of uncanny how it worked like that. Um, but uh, originally from Philadelphia, it was my first um, uh, time visiting Texas, let alone living there for a little bit, and that was that was a, a beautiful culture shock, but definitely a culture shock. <laughs> and now uh, I, I, I left to be the director of evangelization and adult faith formation um, up in a parish in Arlington, Virginia, St. Charles Barmeo Parish, uh, which is predominantly young adult. Uh, which is kind of interesting. I, I was feeling more drawn to working with families and things, and God, you know, he's got a <laughs> sense of humor. He brought me to a parish that is like two-thirds young adult. So, uh, but it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to see and behold. Um, a lot of life, a lot of life mm-hmm. in the church, and a lot of a lot of people really trying to uh, draw near to Jesus, and it's just beautiful to see. And so today I walked out my door. It was it was a frost, a layer of frost on oh. the grass, and I said, I am home. <laughs> and, uh, and at the same time, I said, "Why did I leave Texas?" You know, it was a, you know, because it's eighty degrees here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. You know? uh, yes. 
Well, fantastic. Anyway, that's romance. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for them, and and I'm glad that you're on the show. And I think we're gonna, if if we don't if we don't run you off, uh, <laughs> we're gonna try to get you to come back here relatively <laughs> frequently. Oh, yeah, I would love it. I love yeah. to spend time with you guys. So, so today we're actually taping this the the day before uh, the show um, on October twenty second. The show will run tomorrow on, on the twenty third. Um, but it's the feast day of Saint Pope John Paul the second, and and it kind of well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, hook them. No, excuse yeah. me. So, whoa, 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 number seven. Just settle that, simmer down. Number seven. I told seven. you, my, my mind is slipping. You know, <laughs> but uh, forget that where I am. Purpose. Forget where I am. Uh, but anyway. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we're, Adam, we have fun on the show. So, <laughs> especially when Stephanie's here because she won't give me any slack. No, she is <laughs> not, not a single inch. Uh, That's what she signed up for, right? right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, um, because it is his, his feast day today, I think it's timely. Um, well, number one, he's one of my heroes. Um, oh, absolutely. And we were going to, we were maybe for the, for those who had some, you know, mine is just, you know, I read, I, first time I was really understood who he was when it was, I was working on my, on my master's degree in theology years ago and, um, 20 years ago. And I'd never really read any of them, but then you, you read his encyclicals and, and, and that, and you feel like, you know, somebody, you know, I mean, yeah. I, and, and I fell in love with the man. Um, mm -hmm. and so yeah. mine's more of a, gen, a general, the theology of the body meant so much to me, but, but, but in fact, really just his way of delivering, um, the good news, um, oh, absolutely. was, was something that I fell in love with in, in more of a generic general way, but I, I love him. Uh, I look forward to meeting him one day. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, Amen. I, I'm kind of, uh, Similar in that, the, the more I studied uh, theology, the more I came encountered his his, his writings, and he just had a very um, a beautiful. He, he was just one of these people that, in his life, in his corpus, and in, in his writings, in his uh, in, in the decisions he made, and and the decisions you know God made for him to plan. It, it showed uh, for me the interconnectedness of of truth, beauty, and goodness. You know, because there, there's this idea of you know, uh, we exclude truth from beauty or, you know, goodness is apart from truth or something. But his, like, desire to to speak about the truth, um, to to teach about Jesus Christ and the church, it's just everything. He was an artist. He was equally artist and right. philosopher and theologian and just this, this his ability to to show the, the, the interconnectedness and unity. Um in, in in God, you know, through through the truth, um, I just thought it was exceptional. You know, I think it was such a gift for us to have that, and so he means a lot to me as well. You know, yeah, I love. I was uh, I was four years old when he was elected to the chair of Peter, and wow. I I didn't really I didn't really have a deep attachment to him growing up. I didn't think about him often as a child, even as a, as a high schooler. Um, I didn't appreciate what it, what I had in my hometown when he came to Denver for the first oh, wow. world youth day in 1993, when I was a senior in high school wow. and I, I didn't attend world youth day. And wow. I, re that's, wow. a, that's a big regret that I have, um, that I didn't take advantage of that opportunity. Um, but I, the way I was aware of him as a, as a kid growing up and as a high schooler was, you know, that he was this Polish Pope and he came from a country that was behind the Iron Curtain and he was instrumental in bringing down communism. And, and he, and later I learned that he, you know, he went to Warsaw in 1979 and, and offered mass in the center of Warsaw and yeah. proclaimed that God was alive and, yeah. and the people wanted God, you know, they, that they, that they chanted, mm. we want God. And he mm. was this witness to the truth yeah. of, um, 
of our faith in the face of atheistic communism. And then I think my other attachment to him, kind of personal attachment to him, is when I was a senior in high school, my godmother gave me his um, Crossing the Threshold of Hope book to read. Mm. Oh, yeah. And that's a beautiful rumination on the, on the, on the faith <clears throat> wow. that I still treasure to, that day, to, to this day. So I have that personal connection kind of to him through my, my godmother giving me that that book. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, but well, I have that, a soft spot in my heart for him, for yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I, I really don't know anybody who doesn't for, for various reasons. And I don't know if people realize this, uh, you know, sometimes we're good about announcing it, but the prayer that we begin with, um, oh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, on this show was was uh, his, his John Paul the St. John Paul II's prayer for the family. So, um, you know, we open our show with a little bit of him. Every week. Every week, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, um, St. John Paul II, pray, pray for, for us, pray us for yeah, us. as we go through this. And so in, in keeping with that a little bit, I think, we, I think one of the things that we, we saw that we came across this letter that was written to the Senate uh, that's going on currently regarding youth and that, that one of my other heroes— uh, <laughs> Uh, alive still <laughs> is he would uh, blush bishop, at hearing you say that bishop bishop uh david condrell I, I i miss him dearly and don't get to see him like i used to but but reading it you if you knew him at all if you know him at all it, it, his personality comes yeah out sure. full full throttle but what we were thinking he's talking about he's he's basically writing this to the to the people who are having the synod, to the bishops that are having the synod on on the youth, and Trey, question before you get rolling, yeah. I'm sorry, Adam, did you ever get to press the flesh with with Bishop David before he left? No. Okay, so you no, never I met haven't. him. Okay. Oh man. Okay. okay. Well, only in passing. Well, you get you get a glimpse into him, just like my reading of John Paul II. <laughs> you get a glimpse into the type go, of yeah. person he is when when you read this. But 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 he he's writing to the bishops about what what do they need to focus on, how do they do, and and it's he's using it from what he learned from from the students here at Texas A and M. Um, for those that whoop whoop, but uh, but he, I think I think that what we were looking at was there's so many things here that that we can take as parents and apply them to our parenting because really if we're the domestic church, if the church can learn something or should be doing something, it it um, it's something that we should be able to apply. There's a line that in the first paragraph of this. That says leading young people to choose. He's talking to the to the shepherds. Leading young people to choose to give their lives to Jesus Christ is not one of the things that shepherds or parents must do. It is the only thing. And I and I think I think that 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 as a mission for for us as parents and fits just as well as it does for the bishops. Speaking to the youth, sure. I mean, we're we're the shepherds of we our we are the shepherds of yeah. our of our children, and um, I think we were talking off air before. I think even before Steph got here, but she's got stories like this too. One of the, one of the foundational principles I think of what we've talked about is how much we can learn about our relationship with God from from our parenting of our children, and that we can actually. <laughs> learn from our children, whether they're actually meaning to teach us or not, particularly when they're younger, mm-hmm. that, that we can, that we should have our eyes wide open, our, atana, our antennas up to, to be listening to God speaking to us as we attempt to raise our children. And I, I know Steph's got a story on this, but I'll, I'll tell one that, I, that I've already shared with Adam, so it's nothing new, which is, which is the need to be able to have your, your ears open, your, your ears of faith open when Trevor, who's now engaged, about to get, we set the date July thirteenth next year. He's going to be what? By that time, he'll be just turning twenty-four. Hook him? What? Yeah. We're going to hook him about that? Is that? Does that deserve a hook him? No. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> he went to throw univer- you under the bus. He went to University of Dallas. Uh, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I forgot. Uh, yeah. so what are they, Crusaders? Uh, yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> forward. Uh, yeah. Forward. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't go to Texas, but but um, but anyway, broke his daddy's heart when he was little. When he was little, 
we, when he was little, probably two, I was just walking enough to be able to walk up and down the stairs and we're walking down from upstairs and I've got, I'm trying to hold his hand. He keeps pulling away and pulling away. I'm going down the stairs. I'm like, hey, you got to hold my hand. And then I let him go. He takes one step and he proceeds to fall face forward down, down it. And I'm close enough to where I catch him by the collar, literally the back of his shirt and catch him and pick him up and put him up. And then I hand my... I'm like, okay, now you know why you're supposed to be holding my hand. I put my hand out there, and he turns away and, like, just continues to go. And, and I'm like, I'm raising an idiot, you know. And then, and then, and then uh, I remember having a Holy Spirit moment like, Trey, you know, you see how he acts? That's how you act. <laughs> I'm trying to hold your hand. I'm trying to offer my help. And you keep saying, I'll, I've got this. And I think that that's, you know, that's something that's always from the beginning Done that, and there have been multiple other times in in our parenting. I think where each of us have a. You ever have you experienced that? I mean, I don't know if Steph had a. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Stephanie, would you like to share the story? Yeah, oh, sure, sure. Um, well, and I actually, I actually have two. One's one's not so much something that I learned, but um, but how important I think our actions are, and how more is caught than taught. Sometimes, um, mm-hmm. Grayson was probably about two about the, about the probably the age of Trevor two or three he's our number three and um Trey had been Trey takes his Bible to work every day I mean it was the you know that was he just walked out the door like you know with a stack of books all the time before I got him a Kindle and um <clears throat> and so he was missing his Bible weeks we had no idea where this Bible was. Uh, I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, we were almost to the point where we were going to buy a new one and Trey was, you know, so frustrated. I mean, and, um, I got to call him late one morning because around the corner from his room, Grayson came with his little, uh, we had a little plastic, uh, shopping cart thing, you know, for the kid's kitchen or whatever that they played with. And in it is Trey's Bible. (laughs) And I said, Mm -hmm. Grayson, what are you doing? He says, I go to work. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. uh, he had his Bible but the real Holy Spirit one of one of my really Holy Spirit moments was with my daughter when she was probably about two man what, what does that say I got yeah, two I don't o'clock know. kids two. Are, I mean two age two I mean, that's kids where we are, are in God's eyes like <laughs> yeah, maybe so. infant infants um, <laughs> but um, you know she was going through the why stage and, and it you know it why everything everything you said to her she said why and I don't know one day in the kitchen it just hit me that her why was not a curious I want to know why it was kind of more of a challenging it was just Mm. more of a challenge it was it was not a it was not a sweet innocent you know why, why mommy and so I I looked at her and I said you know Madison when mommy asks you to do something instead of you you may ask why but I would like for you to first say, yes, mom, to whatever I'm asking you to do. And then you can say, may I ask why? And I mean, like a lightning bolt. It was like God was like, um, hello. <laughs> could you just say yes when I ask you to do something? And then could you just see, say, may I ask why <laughs> later? <laughs> uh, so, yes, it's funny how you can really very audibly hear God some t- talking sometimes in your head. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, for me, um, there was this instance um, in church, actually, you know, it, for any parents out there, just kind of going to church with your family could be, with your <laughs> small children, could be kind of daunting. And, yes. you know, and you're worried about, you know, them upsetting people or being too loud. And, you know, they have the... the you know, Notorious cry room. It's like a horror movie. The cry room. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, <True>. But so, <laughs> but uh, so I was in mass, and our Jude. Jude is the tough. He's he's the toughest one. He's he's taught me a lot. Uh, he's my teacher. Uh, he's four, and he's very stubborn and and uh, just very sensitive. And um, so he was acting up, and so I was like, oh man, I got to take him to the cry room, and. So I take him to the cry room, and I'm thinking, man, you know, I'm like a little kid. Every time I learn something from my children is when I become real childish because they're they're children, you know. And I'm like, ah, I'm not here in the mass. I can't really reflect and, and be prayerful. And I'm in this little room and toys all over the place and uh, just kind of like really pouting about it, you know. And uh, 
If there was a rock, I would have kicked it. Um, but I was sitting there, and Jews on my lap, and it was the evening mass. It was like 5:30, and the sun was like beginning to like bathe uh, the sanctuary in like golden light, right? And it was just beautiful. And I was like, wow, this is a little moment of, huh, this is nice. And then what happened was uh, there was glass, you know, the soundproof glass, and nobody can hear us. And um, the light was kind of bouncing off the glass and I could see Jude's face lit up in like this beautiful light and he didn't know it you know and I'm sitting mm-hmm. there and I'm going wow like this is great and I so I pulled him away from the glass and then I told him to Jude look at the glass and then I I brought him into the so where he could see himself lit up by the sun and it just struck mm. me as like that's the father's delight mm. in us. wow yeah you know the sense of you know we can't see ourselves for who we are mm. and he yeah. sees us bathed in this this beautiful light wow and it's only the father that can show us the, and when he saw himself he he lit up it was it was brighter than the sun you know mm-hmm. wow. the way he lit up and so the sense of like that was a moment you know where the holy spirit's like hey that's how your father in heaven sees you, mm-hmm. you know, if you only just listen to him and, and, and get your eyes fixed. <laughs> yeah. And I, that's beautiful. That is really that beautiful. Is beautiful. But I, the, I think it is, I think it's important for us to remind ourselves. And it seems like that's what Bishop Connor was doing here is saying, Hey, I've learned a bunch from, from these kids and, and we ought to take mm-hmm. it to heart as, as parents. And so he, you know, he says, these are the, le- some of the lessons that I learned from my students at Texas A&M. And, um, and I think that there are lessons that we as parents can, can go, but, but the overarching thing is that he's at least looking at those, not speaking from a, you know, I'm the authority, even though he is, you know, I'm the authority looking down upon these people who just need to, you know, learn from me. (laughs) He instead has flipped it on the other side and in humility is saying, this is what I learned from them. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why I wanted to put that in context for us was that, we as parents can learn an awful lot from our from our children and their actions Absolutely. and 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 our interaction with them if we'll just be open to it and that's part of the grace of the sacrament of marriage i think is it oh uh, yeah yeah i mean what and and what a what a beautiful message to the world right i mean the sense of you know like i like where i'm at right now um is very like young professional and like everything you know uh, you know i won't have I don't want to even talk about marriage and children until, like, I'm successful, whatever. And not to put that down, but there's a sense of, like, forgetting that that marriage and family life is, is for our sanctification, right? <laughs> right. It's for our growth and holiness. It's it's for us, and as much as it um, is, is a responsibility, it's a great, great gift. Mm-hmm. And what a beautiful message that is, just that, that principle of le- being able to learn from our children, like he, he's showing that he learned from the students. It's this, it's mutually uh, life-giving. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think it's there's a there's this focus on society saying like it's all just taking from you, you know. Right. Anyway. Well, no, I think that's a great point, and I mean, I I um, I think that I, I think that we all um, need to. That's why the show exists. Put it out there for people to be reminded of the fact that mm-hmm. there's really nothing greater than that than that voc- well there uh, certainly there is get, getting to heaven but in terms of 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 it of our sanctification greater than us living out our faith and do that did you have something yeah i was just going to take us to the first two points that bishop david makes the first one is personal prayer is the heart of life in christ and then the second one is mm. repentance is the path to prayer and mm. he's setting up here that uh, he notes that there was a correlation he observed between the students that were uh, the most prayerful and the students that were in the confession line regularly. And so he's saying confession, he's observing that confession makes us more aware of our sinfulness. And then apropos for today's recording, it was Pope John Paul II who said the greatest, I think he said the greatest sin of the modern world or maybe error of the modern world is the denial of the reality of sin. So we're not if we don't if we don't realize that we're sinful um that's going to yeah that's going to make us less we're not going to see a need to to pray for one uh, right and i don't know if what i would and that's i want to get to that the one thing i was thinking about 
on the personal prayer side was that he's saying, from what I learned from from my students, we need to be reminded as bishops, mm-hmm. and so we need to remind as parents yeah. that we have to find time for personal prayer. We must, uh, using his words, we must have some time each day when we go to the Lord by ourselves for no other purpose than to renew our own choice of life in Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that remi- that we need to call on that grace and 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 put ourselves there. I uh, don't always mm-hmm. get uh, very good marks on that point. Well, me, uh, you know. Yeah, I think we all. It, yeah. I all, I really go through struggle. just ebbs and flows of. Oh, I do too. I that. think that's I think Man. that's I think that's normal. What is what's yeah. work? Anybody here in the group have have what's worked well in terms of trying to do better at making time? Yeah. Yeah, for for me, I notice that um if 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 I'm able to wake up earlier, um to give myself that time um where I don't feel um like I'm taking away something from the family, um is is something that's important for me um because I've had it where I wake up and try to get it in and and uh someone's pulling on my you know sleeve or something and i'm like oh hold on and, and i've fallen into that like hold on like i have to pray and like my son's like hey can i have some juice you know um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know god's speaking me, speaking to me there you know get your, get your kids some juice for kind of, uh, you know, uh, get yeah. off the mountaintop you know that kind of thing um but uh, you know for me to, it, it's it's important uh if i leave it go past the morning i i generally find that it's hard for me to okay. return to it at some point. I agree. I agree. But but in in that in that same vein for for young moms, um, I remember when it hit me because um, for me when you know our kids were all so small <laughs> at the mm-hmm. same time. I mean we had six under six, and yeah. um, and so I really used to beat myself up about not being able to get up earlier than them, mm-hmm. which was really hard w- with all those ages and and. Um, yeah. And so there was a realization um, for me one day that um, as a young mom that, you know what, I need to, you know, okay, so if they get up and like you said, you got to get them their juice, you can't, you know, you got to get them their cups and their, you know, whatever, get them started. But, but it was also, I think, good for my kids to see you know, see what it looked like to be in quiet time and in prayer. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, it, it wasn't the best. I will definitely agree with you on that because you never knew when somebody was going to blow. So, you know, <laughs> you were always sitting, it was like sitting on a time bomb. The theological you know? term. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. This, this <laughs> volcano could erupt at any moment. <laughs> and you young moms out there know exactly oh, what I'm talking about. Um, but it was, um, you know, that was at the point where, I got, um, and I think I've told the listeners this before, where I got the votive candles that you can get for like a dollar at HEB with, you know, Jesus or Mary. I mean, they look like stained glass, you know, they're they're real tall, very safe. And, you know, what kid doesn't love fire? Um, Mm -hmm. And you, they each had their own candle. And so we'd light that candle. And that was, you know, to indicate we were having our prayer time and it needed to be quiet. And, you know, and and I had like books and, you know, their little Bibles and saint books and whatever. Um, readily available, you know, again, not my most quality quiet time with God, but um, it was definitely a way for me to stop beating myself up if, you know, when I, as a young mom, when I couldn't get up before them. Yeah. 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 And, and getting back to, to the point that, um, that Thaddeus was making, which I think is valid. And, and really, as we draw close to Christ, what he's, what Bishop Kyler is saying is we become more and more aware of our sinfulness. And, I think what happens, I mean, you can ask this, I mean, we got to tell our kids that we, we need to not be afraid of what is true, good, and beautiful. And sometimes what that means is, is we have to be humble enough to recognize when we aren't fully living up to what's true, good, and beautiful about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so to not be afraid of the fact that as we draw closer to Christ, that we may actually be exposed, (laughs) uh, or be exposed to the fact that we're not, um, exactly living what is true, good, and beautiful in that. Mm. And so I think that, you know, in prayer time and in that, I think it's as they get older, particularly, I think you got to tell them it's, it's okay for the truth to come out. In fact, we as parents are going to try mm. to give you the truth. And sometimes what that means is, is that you're not living in accordance with it and you've got to change. 
that's for your good. That's not that's not because we're pointing out, you know, you're awful. (laughs) And that that really is what all of life is about is measuring ourselves, but not losing hope because we're not there and continuing forward. And I think I don't know if you any comment, any of y'all had any comments on on that. I think I love I love what you you said about for for their good. Um, And and I think that's like really central here is the correlation between um, being more aware of sin uh, while at the same time recognizing Jesus as a source of forgiveness and peace, as he writes. And the more we feel the healing, healing love and power of the Lord. And what's beautiful about that is, like, you be, it's not sinfulness in a sense of, like, no-nos, right? It's, sin is wounding. Right. It wounds us. Mm-hmm. And there's this reality that um, being aware of sin doesn't mean you're aware of just being bad. Um, you're aware of, of, fail, of failure. You're aware that you're in a great need, you know, right. a great need for Jesus Christ. And that's... An awareness that's that's essential, right? And, and that sense of prayer being the place where we can really um, not only encounter that but respond to it with 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 our hearts and with our minds. And like you said, you know, if we're doing that as parents, um, recognizing that that's our greater good, you know, is that sin's a wound and we're in need of healing always, you know, even though we're adults, you know, you know, we I, need I, to be healed. I've noticed along along those kind of lines that. With my oldest child, who is a um, carbon copy of me in in many ways, uh, not not always in the best of ways, <laughs> but I've I've taken to counseling him about you know you have this aspect of your personality that that you know needs work and actually that's mm-hmm. something that I struggle with that's an aspect of that, my personality that I have. Great. And so we're in this together and I know what you're going through and I just, I want to help you. I'm here to help you through that. And, and it's, mm. it don't, when you, when you slip, when you fall in that, in that aspect, don't get down on yourself because it's, it's something that you're going to be working on your whole life. And you just keep, you get back up again, just like our Lord got up on the way to Calvary. Just get, mm. you get back up again. You keep plodding forward carrying that cross and I'm here with you. It's okay. And that, I, that, I think you. that is such an important, important point for, for all parents to know that part of the way to get to your kids is to acknowledge sin, your own sinfulness, mm-hmm. you know, as appropriate in, in, in the right way. But, but don't let them think that you're some super holy person that would, that, that would never tolerate their, choosing to do something that they knew they shouldn't have done instead be open to acknowledging it so that they can feel like, okay, I, you know, at least, you know, dad, mom, I, they've been there before they, they understand. And I think sometimes we can get into this thing that, that this world does is that the loss of the sense of sin or the denial of the existence of sin is basically saying everything's okay. You know, no, no, no need to change. Just keep, you know, that's you. That's good. That's what the world wants to say. We yeah. have to say, no, you need to change. But guess what? I've had this, I've had similar issues or maybe I'm still working with and that. I, and I think, and I'd like to know what you guys think about this. I think when we can do that with one, not just with our children, but when we can do that with, with our brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. that's, that's very, that's a more personal encounter with someone than yes. the tendency in our wider society of saying, well, because I'm a sinner or because I make mistakes, therefore I cannot point out someone else's shortcomings or mistakes or missteps or wrong choices. Mm. No, it's just saying I've been there too. I've done that the same, the same way. Um, we're in this together because we want to bring ourselves more into conformity with, with truth. Right. And that, Mm. And I think as parents, we've got to do, Stephanie, I mean, we, you know, the way we had people, we mentioned this. Because the other the one show. is basically just turning and kind of walking away from somebody by saying, well, you know, I'm I'm bad. It's like the opposite of I'm okay, you're okay. It's I'm messed up, you're messed up. So, you know. I think that's the way, that's the way, it, the way it is. But to, but to say that there's a standard that we're called to and that, that 
that we fail in that standard. As a parent, when I correct, when I've corrected and known and recognized at some point afterwards, or maybe even during, that I've made a mistake in the way I've handled it. I've been too short. I didn't listen. Whatever, whatever it is, too harsh. I I think every parent should be comfortable with going back and say, you know what, I did not handle that well. This is what I did that I shouldn't have done. Whatever that is, I I, I yelled. I did not listen whatever it is, will you please forgive me? Because as a parent, I'm meant to be a sign of to you of who God is and the way he is, and that's not the way God is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. God will accept you where you are, how you are, but he's not going to leave you there. I'm just mad at you. <laughs> and and when I'm when I'm that way, I'm not I'm exhibiting Trey Cash and I'm not exhibiting yeah. what God's like. And I think that that, that is a, is a good way um, to couch that. I think, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? No, no, I, I think it's beautiful. I, I, I think Devin, Devin shot at the, um, he wrote um, St. Joseph's way and it's about book on fatherhood and a really good book. Um, and he talks about, I've heard him speak on one occasion. He, he taught about, he, he told us about, not ask, not saying I'm sorry, you know, but asking for forgiveness. And I think it's beautiful that you just said that. I think that's really powerful. Well, I think I think that you have to use the language of the church. You know, you need. To, I, will you please forgive me? I think I think that that's, and it's a it's a humbling thing. I mean, you you have yeah. you to, you have to wait for somebody to say yes, I I do forgive you. I'm sorry yeah. is a cop out. I think to just say I'm sorry. I mean, you know, I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? Is acceptable, but. But mm. because there is a sense that I've offended you, and really what I'm asking is for you to acknowledge I understand, I, I accept your apology, and I do forgive you. And I think that I, that's really critical, I think, to understanding confession as you're teaching that, you know, the, the sacrament of confession. It's critical to understanding yeah. that, that, that when you've offended somebody, they're not obliged to forgive you. <laughs> You you want them to? They're not obliged. Yeah. You need to wait for them to to get there. So yeah, it, or the or the I'm sorry, but you know that kind of thing, yeah you know? yeah that's, <laughs> yeah. You got to stop but, with the I'm sorry. But here but, comes the explanation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. I think I'm, we're gonna go to the, we're gonna skip to this to this to I think one of the later ones. But I did want to point out because I think it kind of is at least tying this what we've been talking about in an, in a. Uh, nice bow is the the fact that he points out that unity is not the goal of the church and therefore unity is not the goal of our families truth is the goal of the family and then he mentions if desiring unity the bishop stops teaching the truth he loses both unity and truth for himself and for those he is called to shepherd and i think that that really tells us that we're called to be bearers of the truth in love and unity will flow from that not trying to figure out how do we make everybody happy um, and whittling it down to whatever the least common denominator. I don't think that's the way most people look at unity. But I think that that's pointing us to the fact we have to have truth to be aware of sinfulness. We have to have truth, the person of Jesus Jesus Christ, to know that we are called to be in union with him and in prayer with him. And so what he's saying is if we want unity, then then Jesus and everything he reveals to us, both our sinfulness and his great love and mercy directed t- towards us, um, that's the source of, of our unity. But mm. I think we're going to, because it's getting to the end Yeah, here. I thought we, maybe we jump to the good, the bad, and the sacred, just because there's a lot there to chew on, and we yeah. try to use the, you know use our last 13 minutes or so. I want to read, I wanna read the, the beginning of this because it just, it, it is gives such a glimpse Classic into Father the pr- David. Father David <laughs> moment, because I'm just going to read the first couple lines. Here. It says, uh, so it, the, title, the, the underlying title is the good, the bad, and the sacred. It says, winning football is good. Laughter among friends is good. Eating pizza is good. Frisbee golf is good. But sex does not belong on this list. Sex is not bad either. It does not belong with the li- on the list with flat tires, lima beans, studying all night for exams, or 8 a.m. classes. I mean, that is, if you've never met the man, that's him. Yep. 
Yep. Yep. Especially the lima beans part. Yep. Oh, he doesn't like lima beans? <laughs> oh, I have no idea. But, but that's the kind yeah, that's the kind of sort of it's just like off the what what the heck. But but I but I think that that straightforwardness and we'll go into to more depth here, but that straightforwardness of of it's very simple, I think, in talking to people to use terms like this. Who hasn't said, you know, I love when my football team wins. I just came in here showing highlights of <laughs> of my son's football game to, to them. And, and, the and you won. threw some horns around in this studio, oh, no too, way. which I don't know about that. You must be mistaken. I don't know about that. <laughs> but but I think that at least my, my point is, is that he's making a distinction here in a way that's extraordinarily clear to pretty much anybody that's ever had a flat tire, a lima bean, or has ever studied <laughs> all night for exams. You can use whatever it is, but I think that that, that points us to when we're going to talk about sex, we need to be really clear, but we need to be down to earth. We don't need to be up in the, in the stratosphere. Yeah. I think and it gonna... radically reorients the conversation right off the bat that we're, okay, it's not good, it's not bad, so what is it? What is, it? What is significant about it? That's so, I mean, it, I, it gets you to, I, I, he did that so, he did that so often in his, his, you know, homilies. Well, the, he was, fa he's famous for the, for the, sh Come the on. best shortest, the best shortest sermon ever was, was, Tell that most story. of us have heard that was when there, the air conditioning was out in the, in the, ch in the church and, and people were complaining about how hot it was. And he was just sitting there listening to them all whining about how hot it is. And then he just said. Um, hell's hotter. Better, better straighten up. <laughs> it's hot. It's, it's hot, hot in here. It's hot yeah, in here. Yeah. It's hotter in hell. <laughs> so straighten yeah, up. Yeah, it, 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 you know the ten, the best ten word <laughs> sermon. But I mean, he took the the event in front of him, in front of him, and turned it on its ear in terms that 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 experientially they were very firmly entrenched. So I think that, that that's something that we as parents need to learn is we need to be able to yeah. take something and, and make it real for them, for our kids when we're trying to teach them. Does that make does that thing? I mean, I think he does a great job of it here. And that story points to... And he took what they cared about and he said, okay, they, they are focused on that it's really hot. Right. So I'm not going to try to dismiss it or try to get them not... That they, sh I'm not going to lecture them that they shouldn't care about it because actually I'm really hot in my my vestments right. too. So, but I'm going to use it to get them to the truth, to get them to the heart of the matter. Right. And, and yeah, we got to try to do not, that. We got to do it with our kids. Too. But I, but I think that this is kind of a the way that he does this. That's why I love him so much. But in that first part, because he's talking, he's going to talk about sex and about how we need to deliver. Uh, the truth. So I don't know. Had you had you read through that, um, Adam? What were your what were your thoughts on that section? Yeah, I, I I just thought it was I thought it was really beautiful. I I think it it kind of follows nicely on what he talked about. Uh, only light has substance. Darkness is the absence of the light. Earlier on, two or uh, I guess two paragraphs before, right. where he talks about like uh, focusing on the true, the good, and beautiful, and and if we can really witness to that, um, then people will see in contrast how ugly and undesirable sin is. And I think what he what he does is really beautifully. He talks about like this 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 tendency for division, like you're either this or that, and this kind of either good or bad kind of thing. And it's missing the chance to really talk about the mystery involved in in that it's not just something um, we have opinions about. Right. Um, there's something objectively true about um, sexuality, about marriage, about um, this aspect of our humanness. Um, and I think it's just really, really beautiful, you know, to take it out of like this, because we might just run into that conversation and be like, yeah, well, this is how it's it's good instead of, you know, it's not dirty, but it's, it's, it's beautiful, which is true. Um, but instead of like just trying to, you know, apologize, you know, have an apologetic for it. Um, but to really speak about it on its own terms, you know, yeah. instead of yielding to others, um, and, uh, I, terminology or something. Well, and I think the sake, I mean, the sacredness of it, I, I mean, that's how I think he gets away from 
it, you know, it's not good, it's not bad, it's it's mm -hmm. sacred. And, and of course, mm -hmm. if you go on in his article in that same paragraph, I mean, it, he gives the best example uh, about, I mean, we would never consume the Eucharist with peanut butter like it's a cracker. Mm -hmm. So we ought to never use sex outside of the covenant of marriage as if it were a hug between friends. I think, you mm -hmm. know, he's talking about how we've we've watered thing we water things down you but know here that's a great point <laughs> I, I both of both of y'all <laughs> yeah I mean it's you know to 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 remember to hold things in esteem that God meant God you know means to be held in, in high esteem mm -hmm. and sacredness as both of y'all are talking one of the things that jumped out of me I hadn't really thought about but he does he does there's a very important point here that to just take a word like good and, and, and assign it to something, there are gradations of goodness. I mean, mm -hmm. there, there are levels. And he, and he actually, and it really, as y'all were talking, I was thinking, you know, he, he starts off, you know, eating pizza, frisbee, golf, whatever. And you would not put that on the same list as marriage, prayer, the birth of a baby. He's, he's using kind of in a very simple, I mean, he just hits it. <laughs> on the head that that points to the fact without even saying it, that, that just because it's good, it's not in the same class as other types of goodness. That's a, that's a pretty deep philosophical point that, that, that yeah. you can have gradations of goodness and that what we're not, we're talking about here is, is this is sacred. This is, this is good, but it's not good like these other things. It's it's good in a special way, so. Yeah. But I do like the you know that is so him too, peanut butter <laughs> with a cracker. So, uh, but anyway. I mean he he makes his point so simply. I mean, mm. you know, um, he just he speaks to us commoners. <laughs> and and then I think he go, then I think he also kind of extending what he's already talked about is that it's not only sacred it's all it's true. And, and again, points us back to this, this situation that we find in here, you know, the God created us male and female, you know, the grow, and this is him, the growing list of acronyms that claim to be, to represent how some humans are made is in fact only naming conditions that some humans have. That's a very, <laughs> the, the acronyms, I, I won't get into into that. What we are is male and female is what he says. And so we do need to deliver the truth and not be afraid of delivering the truth in the face of what um, is a watering down or a dismissal of the truth. Mm -hmm. what, That's beautiful. Yeah. I, what are you going to say? I'm sorry. I no, I was asking, I wanted to hear what you had to say. Yeah. I, I think it's awesome that, you know, right after that, he's, he's saying how, how true it is. And it's just kind of like in line with, what Stephanie was saying about properly esteeming something, like the value of something, like there's true value in something, and and we kind of shy away from from talking about something as sacred because it's almost, you know, the the world has a settle for less so often that anything exalted gets categorized as being like unrealistic, <laughs> right, or like too idealistic or something, and and the reason why people are afraid of ideals is because they have the capacity to break hearts, right. Right, and I love the way he writes in in the section on counterfeits. Is he says young people? He says the counterfeits for sex and marriage and friendship are many and confusing. And he wrote, young people know this, and that is why they have such an interest in these subjects and a right to hear the wisdom of the church. And I think right there, it's so key is is this this intuitive kind of knowing that there's more, there's right. more that lifestyle does not fulfill. There must be something more. You know, I'm called in the depths of my being to something great. This is greatness. And John Paul, Pope St. John Paul II was all about that greatness, that call for greatness in the youth. And I think that truth that you're speaking of and that properly esteemed evaluation of sex as being sacred, as being exalted, you know, as being God-ordained uh, and God-infused in, in the proper context in the sacrament of marriage, um, gives this this yearning, this deep yearning for truth. It gives it flesh. It gives it. Um, it gives it. It makes claims on our hearts, and on our minds, and on our souls, on our lives. And this is what we're desiring. And this is this sense of desire. This there's a desire for this, and I just it's beautiful. 
No, I think, Absolutely and I, and that's something that John Paul II used to always talk about is the is is the need for dialogue, and that people all have the same type of questions. You know, why am I here? What is my purpose? Why do bad things happen to good people? You know, mm-hmm. what is, and so that there's we we tend. To, <laughs> what I love about what Bishop David's doing here, and and what John Paul II, and what anybody else is, there's a a presuming of what what we know to be true. They pres, they I don't know if presume presumption is the right word, but kind of just knowing that this exists. We are made for the truth, and God has built it into us, and so we're we're meant to search for it, and mm-hmm. and and they have a right to hear what is the truth. Mm-hmm. And nowadays we have a hard time saying that without somebody calling us not politically correct or whatever mm-hmm. we as the church as parents need to be able to deliver the truth again in love but but delivered in a way that says hey isn't th- this is the beauty of it this is what you're searching for this is what mm-hmm. is deep down in your heart you sense is missing this is it yeah. he is it mm-hmm. and and i think too that in my own life you know my my wife has has made it possible for us to have four objectively real manifestations of our one flesh union of two right. of the two becoming one and that's often forgotten about in in the mm-hmm. discussion of what marriage is and a real true sense of some something greater something more that you're ta- yeah. this this call to greatness. I mean, there are times where, you know, you just look at one another and you're like, we are in this together. We are fighting this fight. We're doing this battle together and we're, we're doing, we're accomplishing great things. We're doing great things. And this is, this is all, all that there is. And that's so, I know we're, we're drawn to yes, a close we're here. Down, yeah, down to the wire here. Sorry. No, no, I think, it, but I think it's awesome what you said. We can it's go, very and we important. can go a smidge long to Wrap okay. up and get the the uh, memory ver- the mystery verse the, the mystery memory verse, verse. Yes, <laughs> yes 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 well I am going I picked uh, Matthew nineteen fourteen um, just as a reminder um, for us as parents uh, that sometimes I know our little ones can maybe get in the way of our to do list but we need to remember that they have a lot to teach us about um, who God is to us as we are trying to be uh, our father to them. Um, our father and mother. So, uh, so yeah, Matthew nineteen fourteen said, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not stop them for it is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. So remember our call to greatness as parents, wherever you are in that parenting is to, to be all there, be all there with them. So we thank you for being, for listening today. And uh, remember only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. Thank you so much, Adam, for being with us. God bless. God bless. Thank you. God bless. God bless. Hold on. <laughs>